Welcome to the Insta Mama Show. Hi, this is Rachel. And this is Natalie. And, and we, we are the Insta Mamas. We are sisters with a podcast where we talk about everything from adoption, foster care, healthy, clean living, motherhood, and, and everything in between. Thanks for listening. Oh my goodness, we're so excited. Yes, there is so many things that have been happening in our country just this last week. So we are celebrating today on the podcast the overturning of Roe v. Wade. And um, before you say, oh, I'm turning this podcast off, if you have been listening at all, you must know that we are super Mm -hmm. pro-life. A lot of adoptive parents are, we believe, adoption, not abortion. And so, but we want to just preface it with... If you are a pro-choice person or you're on the fence or you're crying, I heard so many stories on the news of women crying when they heard of the overturning of Roe v. Wade, please listen. We're coming from our hearts and we really just want to show a different side of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and we're not coming here to be like, this is how you should feel and this is how you should believe. And because we know... And we hate you if you don't believe what we know. That is not true. Because we know, we value all life. No matter what you believe, no matter what, what walk you come from, we value all life and we believe that life starts in the womb. Yeah. And we just are just excited because we never thought this could happen in our lifetime. And when I was 10 years old, my my mom's always been very upfront and honest about If you ask things. a question, she'll answer it, whether well, you like it or not. A song came out about, like, the beginning started with, like, these two little babies, this little baby saying they were so excited to meet their mom, and it couldn't come, wait to come out of the womb, and then it got, the song got really gruesome, and it was a rap song with very detailed of how abortion is done, and it's not just dramatizing it or anything, it is, it was very medical- and you can look up online what each stage of an abortion is, and um, that's a whole nother topic. But when I was 10 years old and I listened to that song, I remember just sobbing my eyes out and telling my mom, like, this is not true. This cannot be a real thing. And my mom said, yeah, and that's why we're going to pray, and we're going to pray that this is no longer a law, and we're going to pray for all these babies. And I honestly, at 10 years old, at 10 years old, at a young age, I was put this strong burden to pray and speak out against abortion. And now you're 33, and you're celebrating what that 10-year-old little girl was mourning, right? Yeah. Oh, that makes me want to cry even just thinking about it, because I just remember how devastating that was. Like, well, and there's just... some misconceptions about the law. People think that overturning Roe v. Wade means that abortion is illegal in this country that is not true it just means that now states have the right to decide how they want to um legislate it and the hardest part we're not political commentators we're not political activists we are just moms that have a belief system and we're sharing it and we want to hear other people's belief systems we've had so many women come on the podcast that have told us their stories and and so we just want to talk a little bit about that mm-hmm. and um, from our point of view, from our, our close to our heart, but um, just to dispel some of the, mis- not misinformation because I hate that word, but some of the confusing stuff that's going around. One side says this and one side says that. We're not really interested in dispelling arguments or saying you're wrong and I'm right. 
we're more interested in um, sharing our hearts, mm -hmm. just sharing our hearts and our own experiences. Because I can't speak for other people and their experiences, but we can speak for our own. And we are in the adoption community. This is an adoption podcast. And I feel like it would be wrong if we didn't speak on something that we both felt really passionate about. Yeah, because it really is not a political podcast. It's not a political... We don't try to get into politics. But for us, it's not political. For us, it is... Um, there's truth and we want to speak some truths from our own lives and we believe in absolute truth which is um, and that life has value mm -hmm. life has value if you're an orphan life has value if your country and and your community and your culture says that you don't have value mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot of people in the adoption community not in the adoption community outside of the adoption community that look at kids in foster care and the adoption community and kids that are being adopted or orphans around the world and they say oh they should have never been born mm -hmm. and it's like and I'm really proud of a lot of foster kids that are like kind of older and yeah or they aged out that are getting on TikTok and Facebook Sorry, Rachel's moving her chair. That are on TikTok and Facebook that are saying, I was in foster care. It was hard. There were a lot of hard things. I deserved a chance. Mm -hmm. You know? And so we just want to talk about that. Yeah. Um, and we're not trying to say, like, adoption is all rainbows and butterflies and every adopted family is perfect. It's like, no. There's hardships. There's things I've done in my parenting that I've gone back and said, hey, that was probably not the best way to handle that. And then you change and you grow. You know better you do better. So we're not even saying we're perfect no, adoptive parents. No way. Well, I, I mean, we could go back to like, what was the family originally supposed to be? The family was supposed to be a mom and a dad that were married to one each other and they left their mothers and fathers. So you were supposed to be raised by your mother and father. And then when you got married, you left your mother and father and you became a new family. Mm -hmm. And then when you had kids, they were under your authority and, um, you know some of the things we've struggled with is leaving our mother and father like yeah. and and you know especially back in the old like biblical times when that was written people lived right next door to their parents so how do you leave your mother but and I father think it's too so much more like a spiritual sense not just like mm -hmm. geographically but more like because people raised generations helped raise each other mm -hmm. but I think it was more even spiritually like I make decisions with my husband my parents aren't involved in my financial decisions my parents aren't involved in like big life decisions like you can always talk and um, well, yeah, I mean, we know the overbearing but mother-in-law which I'm so very blessed I don't have one she's yeah. so afraid of being overbearing mother-in-law that she's like an underbearing mother-in-law um but she'll say, hey, take this with a grain of or take this under advisement. She'll give me advice and she says, but I understand, you know, and she'll bring me books and things. And sometimes we agree and sometimes we disagree. And sometimes I call her asking her for help. But especially because we're raising an adopted child, it's mm -hmm. different than biological children. Yeah. And so it was the point was there'd be a mom and a dad and they would have their children and they would raise them and the kids would be happy and healthy and no one would get sick and no one would die and god had created this perfect garden for man and woman to live together in harmony forever but then when sin came into the world what all the things that came into the world with it were disease so parents die and leave their children um, and then there's also the disease of sin parents leave 
and leave their children. There's fatherlessness. There's motherlessness. It's mm-hmm. it's, and then there's the cycle that keeps being built. But even and if you have children listening, we would suggest that this probably would be. We like to have our podcasts as child friendly as possible most times, but um, we may be going into deeper topics that you might not want your little ears hearing. So either yeah. put on some headphones or wait for nap time to <laughs> listen. Yeah, because we will be talking about abortion. I mean that's that's what this is about yeah. so but I was gonna say when you and there ta- may be some triggering things too. yeah just when you were talking them. about uh God and his perfect plan I know this sounds so weird but this is something I find fascinating and I'm an adoptive mom so you know I haven't had any children but biologically mm-hmm. but even just the fact of how men and women come together and how the sperm comes to the egg and the bible talks about the two flesh becoming one like you have the two parts of the man and the woman and they become one egg and put together a child mm-hmm. you know like to me that's so fascinating like to me that's god's perfect plan of growing a family through the sanctity of marriage and the sanctity and protection of how he intended it to be. Yeah, there's protection in marriage for the the husband to take care of his wife while she's vulnerable in pregnancy and um, just all kinds of things. And um, we don't know exactly if there were children born before the fall, but when Eve sins, God says, well, now there will be pain in childbirth. Mm -hmm. And so even the pain and all the danger of, of pregnancy that was not a thing before sin and so um and you know and obviously as time has gone on we've gotten really good at protecting women during pregnancy or medical Mm -hmm. but another thing that i find lovely about that story is when adam met eve and we talked about we're going to talk about this we have a marriage episode coming up but when adam um and eve were created it was woman and man she wasn't eve until she became a mother because Eve means mother of all. And Aww. so she wasn't her it she wasn't her own separate self until she was a mother. Mm-hmm. She it was Adam and it was man and woman together are making the image of God. And then once she had a child, now she had her own separate identity from Adam. That was the first time in the Bible she had that. So and she's a mom. huh? So now she's a mom. Because now she's a mom, which is a different identity than a wife. And so I think our culture has got it mixed up that pregnancy is a, a dangerous medical condition, that pregnancy is, and it is a pain. Anyone who's, we have not been pregnant, so we can't speak to this, but we've been in the room with many a babies being born. We've supported our friends through pregnancy. It's, we've seen lots of our nieces and nephews be born. Which is really, if you have never seen a, a a birth in person I mean you can see it on film and it's pretty magical but if and it's gross okay there's lots of blood it is like it's the most beautiful grossest thing you'll ever see but when you see a baby take its first breath Mm -hmm. in this it's it's a precious little cry and it's like this is the first you're witnessing its first moment on earth and well and I won't say which niece this is to protect her um, identity but when one of our sisters had her baby um, there was like 15 people in the room because she wanted everyone there and we have mm-hmm. lots of siblings and, and big family and so but the baby didn't cry at first and there was you could have heard a pin drop in that room mm-hmm. everyone was holding their breath we could all see her we all wanted and and it was the most beautiful thing when all of a sudden the doctors and nurses did the thing they do and she went <gasps> ah! yeah. and all of us just started sobbing and hugging each other even our sister who like never cries oh like, my all gosh. Of a sudden, like she had tears in her eyes like you can't help it like, yeah it was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen and um and it's just, and she was actually, um, 
told that she needed to um, have something called a DNC. We're going to talk more about that later. But she was told that she was losing the pregnancy early on and that they should end it and it was dangerous for her to keep the baby. And the doctors told her to abort her baby and she did not. And they went to a prayer room instead and prayed for her baby. And that baby is a teenager now and has a beautiful, wonderful life and has had a hard and difficult life. But she has also done amazing things and blessed so many people. And so... And her life is not done yet. The Lord still has wonderful things ahead of her. But I I tell all that to say that, that in originality, this pregnancy was supposed to be this beautiful thing and then sin turned it into this thing that's dangerous you know well i think too but it's not dangerous it's not and i think too the funny thing is what there's a really good documentary called the business of being born and for america it's kind of funny that we have one of the highest infant mortality rates compared to other like first world other developed countries and one of the main reasons is they said because there's so much medical intervention yeah it's like if we just let women because you know it takes a couple days to give birth it's it's not fun it's very painful it's a hard thing and so in the hospitals and you can watch the whole documentary but in the hospitals a lot of times they try to speed things up they try to you know and they scare mothers into thinking they need stuff that they don't and Mm -hmm. You know, because one of the things that encouraged me about one of my friends, she was having her first baby. And I said, are you nervous? Because that's what we ask new moms. Are you yeah, nervous? are you scared? Because like, I would be. I'd I, be like, oh my gosh, I don't want to be in that much pain. And she's like, yeah, I was at first. She's like, but I'm not. God made my body the way it needs to be to have this baby. I'm strong. I'm capable. And I'm excited to have this baby. And I was so proud of her in that moment because I was like, Yeah, women have literally been having babies since the beginning of time, Mm -hmm. and it's only gotten safer over time. Um, And so it's like, let's go back to some of these, like, letting women take their time to go through labor. Go back to our podcast and listen to um, our friend Carly. We interviewed, she talked about her three birth stories Mm -hmm. and how her first one was in a hospital. Like, most first-time moms want to be in a hospital, want to be taken care of, but it was a very traumatic birth and then all the way to her third birth where she had an at-home birth with the midwife and all that and it's just you'll have to go back and listen to it because it's just so beautiful how she tells the contrast between her three births and how she found healing between those three births yeah i just think that the the medical system is is kind of tells women that i mean even the way they bill insurance like companies don't want you to be pregnant because it costs more for them to treat you while you're pregnant so they treat pregnancy like it's this disease when it's the most normal natural biological thing that has ever happened and even a good friend of mine she lives in a european country and so they get like a year of maternity leave but she will still say like she hid her pregnancy for as long as she could because employers a lot of times if they find out you're pregnant, they'll find a reason to fire you. Because they just don't want to have to pay for that. And so, you know, I get a little bit cynical when companies are like, oh, we'll pay for you to go to another city or another state to get an abortion. And it's like, well, yeah, because it's cheaper for you. Yeah. And that's why, I mean, that's kind of in our next point. We do not believe abortion is health care. Um, there are medical reasons that... And they're, they're different things. They are not abortions. There's um, the removal of, of a fetus after a miscarriage. 
and that's called a DNC. And sometimes they will use a DNC for early abortions, but they usually call it a DNE. And all of these we found on the National Institute of Health. We'll put them on our page. The point is not to talk about the gory, that, you know, we're not trying to, like, make you change your mind or something. We just want to talk about some things because women are saying, oh, women are not going to be allowed to have um, contraceptives. That's just a lie. Like, Well, and even with uh, miscarriage, before they even perform the DNC or anything like that, there's an ultrasound to see how far along they are. There is... A testing of HCG. If you are pregnant, your HCG doubles a lot throughout your pre- like, in the, especially in the first. Like in one day, you can go like from so much HCG, and then it'll just triple the amount. And so, if you your HCG is dropping, then that will show that okay, you are miscarrying. Let's have a DNC. But even with DNC, there's a lot of complications that can happen, like perforated bowel, and you can so get not endometriosis. And it's another thing, like the medical field just causing um, convenience and a lot of women that I've talked to have had a DNC after they've miscarried um, they say I would probably not want to do that again because your body will naturally pass the baby but unfortunately if you've miscarried yeah if you miscarried so it's not that there's this woman that is bleeding out and she's in danger because she's having a miscarriage and a doctor can't perform a DNC because they're worried about abortion laws. But no, because you test the HCG to prove that there's no longer a viable baby in there. Excuse me. And I know some, some doctors are afraid. It's a concern, but that's why we need to be educated. I think even young girls don't know about their cycles. They don't know what it means to get and be pregnant. I mean... If you want to see how how uneducated people are about their fertility cycles, just go on Yahoo Questions or whatever it used to be called, and people would be like, you know, can I get pregnant from kissing? And it's like, mothers need to talk to their daughters of, and sons and talk to them about what it means and have them track their cycles and their fertility and know what it means. And, you know, um, because we're so uneducated about even what our own bodies do and what the parts are called and it's and it's why a lot of girls get into trouble because they don't even know what's happening to them um they don't know what's normal and so yeah so that was the so you know that go back to the dnc that is not an abortion Mm -hmm. a dnc is a procedure to remove a fetus after it has already died mm-hmm. through miscarriage. And then the other thing people have been talking about is eptopic pregnancies. Women are going to die because they won't be able to get an eptopic pregnancy removed. Well, if you know what an eptopic pregnancy, it's a pregnancy that is occurring outside of the womb, or the medical term is the, the uterus, right? Mm-hmm. And see, we're not doctors. We just literally looked on a couple of websites, and they're like credible government websites. Yeah, we didn't just go on to some him ho ham website we not even a pro-life like, website these are just from nih or the medical uh, myo clinic you know those are all very widely known websites well and also in the medical field these are just these are normally known things these aren't some surprise and again with epitopic pregnancy there's an ultrasound done to show that the baby's not in the uterus so that yeah. can't happen do you know what the procedure is called to remove an epitopic pregnancy um, so it's hard to pronounce it's called a so excuse me if i pronounce this and wrong. we're gonna link these in the salpingestomy, show notes salpingestomy 
and that is when they remove it, but sometimes you have to remove the whole fallopian tube because it has damaged the fallopian tube, and that's called salvingectomy. But and that if, can affect fertility later on. If it's early, early on that you're having an epitopic pregnancy, they will actually have you take a medication. They won't even have to remove it surgically. It's just a medication you take. And that medication is different than the medication they give women for early abortion. Yeah, and so that's why we love, we're going to link them too, but we went to a... Pro, it wasn't even a pro-life rally. It was just an informational gathering for um, some a place called Stanton Healthcare, which is a nationwide. Yeah, they're nationwide, but we have them here, and they are um, a clinic that has real doctors and real nurses and um, trained professionals to help women in crisis. It's it's not a crisis pregnancy center. It's a healthcare center that's 100% free, but they provide help for women before, during, during and, and after, after pregnancy. And... Um, and they love women, there's no judgment, and they have actual doctors and certified nurses, which in most planned pregnancies, they don't even have planned that. Planned Parenthood. Oh, sorry. Planned Parenthood, yes. Yeah. In most Planned Parenthoods, they don't have certified nurses and doctors. And the first time, you know, someone at Stanford was telling me, the first time you see a doctor at Planned Parenthood is when you're getting the abortion. Mm-hmm. And so that's not, you know, that's not health care. That's, you know, for them, it's a business. They make a lot of money. Um, and so for health, for Stanton Healthcare, they're trying to provide an alternative that's better, that provides better, better health care and helps you know all your options when you're making these choices because there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of, um, even in the media, they make foster care and adoption out to be this evil, horrible thing. And, you know, that's a myth. If, if you have, are in foster care, you have experienced a trauma. So even if you had the most perfect foster family that never made any mistakes and they had lots and lots of money, which I don't really think makes you a great, but let's just say they took you on vacations three times a year and you had all the brand new clothes and you had all the love and it wouldn't matter because you still have experienced the trauma of going into foster care. You lost your first family. And whether whatever reason it was, something be- so bad happened that you had to be removed from the family you were born into. Mm-hmm. And either it was death or, um, you know, drugs or whatever. We talked about, we'll also link our foster care it, episode. Yeah. The majority of it is neglect and abuse. That's neglect the majority of why kids come into so they foster come in, care. So they can come into the best foster family on the planet, but God didn't design children to be raised by strangers. Mm-hmm. God didn't, he designed them to be raised by a healthy mom and dad. And so, yes, foster care is a really amazing, beautiful alternative to being raised by people that are neglecting and abusing you. Mm-hmm. Adoption is a very, very beautiful, straight from the Bible. We have a whole episode on adoption of the Bible, but God adopted us into his family. Mm-hmm. We didn't deserve it. We did nothing to deserve it. But it's a, tra- a trauma happened to lead that child to needing to be adopted. Either they were abandoned or their parents died or they were abused or whatever reason. It's... It's beautiful that God makes something that's so sad and so broken into something beautiful. Mm-hmm. But so when people say, oh, all adopted kids are messed up or all foster kids are messed up or I was adopted and had a really horrible childhood. And yeah, because God didn't design families to be that way. Well, and a big thing too is what I saw a lot of people saying like, you shouldn't be celebrating 
the overturn of Roe v. Wade unless you want to go adopt the 450,000 children in foster care. But that has been going on, and so many people are like, yeah, because logically that makes sense. Like, yeah, why don't you care about those children if you're going in, if you are celebrating Roe v. Wade? But here's the thing. You know, I was a foster parent for four years, raised 26 children in that time. Well, I can't say raised because some of them, like, were in emergency place for a night. But like we said, we linked our adoption our foster care episode in the show notes but the thing is out of those 450,000 foster care kids they're not all of them are up for adoption the reason of foster care is it's not an adoption agency the reason for foster care is for a place for kids to land while their parents are working to get them out and then if their parents can't get it together and can't work it out then they're available for adoption. And most of them are much older by the time, and they've been in the system for a long time. And they're very difficult to adopt because a lot of them have had so much trauma by the time they're up for adoption. Mm -hmm. And so, and it's not a simple fix. And I hate the argument that, um, that oh, if, if those kids had just been aborted, this wouldn't be a problem. But the, the reason they're in foster care is because their parents want them. Mm-hmm. Their parents wanted them and are fighting to get them back. That's why it's a it's a crazy argument, and even the adoption argument. If oh these kids that are born into abject poverty and born in with terrible diseases, you know I knew a, an adoptive family that they didn't know ahead of time, but they adopted internationally, and once they brought their child home, they found out they had a terminal disease, mm-hmm. and they people were like, "Aren't you mad? Aren't you going to try to get your money back?" Like. Um, like, like you bought like a puppy or something. Yeah, and it's like, no, you don't care about the money when you're adopting. Like, it's expensive, but it's like, God provides. Anyways, the people were like so shocked by those comments. They're like, no, this is our, uh, some people are, are you going to send her back? And they're like, no, we're her parents and we get to be there. She doesn't have to die by herself in an orphanage. She gets to die in the arms of loving family members. And, you know, how hard would that be? But God had a plan for that child. And and um, and every hour of life, we met another, we're going to talk about the, the event we went to, but we met a gal who talked about how um, everyone told her her baby was going to be born and then just die because they had a genetic thing. And she said, no, we just, we're pro-life. We, we believe every life matters. And she said, I got to know him for one day. And I would not go back and change it because he was born and then he died. Um, about in like one day. She said, she said one day or something day. like that. And um, she said, but I wouldn't go back and change it because that one day I wouldn't trade it for the world. She got to meet her son. And and who knows, there's so many other stories where they say, oh, your kid's going to die. And then they are born and are perfectly healthy. Well, even if you go on adoptuskids.org, it shows all the children in the world that are are not in the world, in the United States, that are legally free, which means parental rights have been terminated or parental rights have been relinquished. That means parents gave up their rights or the state took away their rights. And they are considered legally free, so you literally could get a home study and start the adoption process for any of these kids on there. But here's the thing, there's a hundred, I think about like 117,000 children. So that's still a lot of children that, yes, you could. But the thing is, you would need to be equipped. A lot of those children will say, can't be in a home with other kids or needs to be the youngest in the home or you need to be within 20 minutes of a hospital that has a cardiac unit or so a lot of them isn't just and just because you celebrate 
pro-life doesn't mean that you don't care about all these children. And there's ways to help with where you can't, where if you can't adopt, there's other ways. But I want you, if you are pro-choice and you use the argument that these kids should have never been born, go look at their faces. Go on the website and yeah. scroll through all those beautiful faces. Watch their little videos. Some of them have little videos. There's a little 10-year-old girl in Oregon right now who said that she just wants a family who goes to church. And she started singing Lauren Daigle. And of course, I like show it to my husband and I'm like, let's go get this little girl. Like we have an approved home study, like, you know? and. Because, you know, your home study, you can get an approved home study and last for about a year. And so my husband and I right now, we have an approved home study. But there's so much, this is kind of how Natalie and I are. There's so much going on in the world. We want to do so many things. We're so passionate about so many things. And the God is, and God is like, okay, focus. Where am I calling you to right now? So right now, we live in a two-bedroom apartment. So is it realistic that we can go drive to Oregon and adopt a little girl that's 10 years old. So you have to know where you are at with your means. What even God told me, because I was, we were waiting for a long time to be matched with this, this specific child that had special needs that we want to adopt. And I was like crying to my husband one night and I said, well, what if they don't choose us? Because I was afraid they weren't going to choose us because we already have a daughter with special needs. And they, we had to like write a really long proposal saying, this is how we would take care of this child's needs. And they, the argument was, well, if you already have a child with special needs, it might be too hard to have another one. And I, I see that argument. I can see why they wouldn't choose us. And so I was just like wrestling with it and wrestling with the Lord. And Zachary's like, well, if they don't choose us, it's because another family is supposed to adopt them. And God's called another. And it broke my heart because I was like, no, this is mine. But he, he's not. Until, until God and two governments and... Uh, immigration decided I'm not the mom and so and God has blessed us and and he's gonna work it all out but I just have to put it in the hands of the Lord so every person is called in the pro-life movement to do what they can do mm-hmm. and I love Stanton Healthcare because um, and we're gonna link to them but we went to an informational meeting about them that they did they were celebrating the overturn of Roe v Wade um, because they're a pro-life healthcare system for women that they want to help and um, it was so sad because there were all these protesters there that were pro-choice and they were being so unkind. This was not a pro-life rally. It yeah. was not, it was, it was simply an informational thing about Stanton Healthcare to say, hey, if you wanna help, this is how you can get involved. And they had different testimonies from different people and nurses and women that they had helped. And um, it was very kind and happy and mu- happy music. And worshiping and prayer. And I mean, it was no government officials. It's like, what are you protesting? Like you're going yeah, up against, you're not going up against government making laws. You're going up against a facility that gives completely free health care to women who are in need. And it broke my heart because these people were just yelling at us and spitting profanities at us. And the police had to be there to hold them off because they were getting um, violent and luckily no violence broke out at this event um, but it was it broke my heart and it you know when you hear these arguments online you get really mad and you're like oh that person's an idiot or whatever but when you see them in person and when I saw them in person yelling these things and flipping us off and crying and crying face and just red and screaming on their own clothes it was hate like, and anger and it's, God just was like I love those people and they were so angry and I wonder I'm like what happened in your life 
to make you so angry and and they were angry because um you know in our state abortion is illegal now and essentially and so and some people like you know some women are scared because they don't know the truth they think abortion is my only option or maybe they've had an abortion and they haven't grieved the loss of their baby. That's, I heard a doctor talking about it, and she said one of the reasons I think pro-choicers who've had abortions, some of them are so angry. She's not saying, obviously you can't speak for everyone. Everyone has different stories. And, and she says it's because, you know, if you have a miscarriage, you grieve it. The baby, you planned for a baby, and, and they died. When you have a, an abortion, you didn't plan for the baby most of the time, but you the baby's gone, and you don't grieve that life. And people say, well, it's not a life. Well, we know, science know. We, it's, I can see maybe five or 10 years ago even, or 20, especially 50 years ago, they didn't know how life in the womb developed. Mm-hmm. But now, if you see a, even an early, early ultrasound, there's a heart beating at six weeks, and you can see it. And so, I don't know, it's just, there's for us, it's hard to understand the other side because for us, we just know, we've seen lives that were in the darkest hole, a child that you'd say, oh, it would have been better off if that child never existed. But then you see what that child becomes because a family reached out and chose them. Mm-hmm. And even like... Well, um, look at your own daughter. Mm-hmm. What would have happened to her if she would have stayed in India? I don't have the statistics right in front of me, and they're very grim. If you look up um, like the World Health Organization, or there's a couple other like um, world, I don't know, world organizations that kind of track these things but um, orphans in places like India their chances of living to 10 are like less than 50% but do you think like if even an if, orphan. if you were not able to adopt her would her life still be worth oh, yeah. to be lived even if she taken? just lived in an orphanage her whole life um, she could grow up and do things I've heard of people that have done that and you know people told us like you know she was born blind or she had special needs and people in India said you know you can adopt a normal baby they told me that and we're I mean I feel comfortable saying this because when my daughter's old enough to understand it we will tell her this because I want her to know how valuable her life is and people are gonna here's the thing people are gonna tell your child how valuable they are mm-hmm. and when they go out into the world or un, or, you know I think a lot of people don't value life and so they're gonna tell your child that and they have to leave your house knowing how valuable they are and so I'm going to tell her, you know, people told us to adopt a child that didn't have eye issues. And we said, no, this is our daughter. We love her. We want her. And it shocked people because in India, I mean, not everybody, but a lot of Hindus believe if you're born blind or you're born with something wrong with you, it's because you did something evil in the last life. And so you deserve it, even children. Well, we're Christians, so we know, and we love the story in the Bible where Jesus talks about people come up and say, why is this man blind? Was it because his parents sinned, or was it because he sinned? You know, we could go back to the beginning of our talk and say, it's because Eve sinned, right, and Adam sinned. But But really, Jesus, in that situation, he doesn't say that. I love how Jesus, they ask him these political questions. You think, oh, he's going to say something, and he says something we don't expect. And the religious leaders wanted to catch him and be like, who sinned, this man's parents or him to make him blind? And Jesus said, it wasn't his parents' fault or his fault. It, God chose him to be blind so that God could show his glory in this man's life. And so he turns around and heals the man of the blindness. Yeah. And Jesus heals the man of the blindness. And you say, my child was born with special needs because 
and you could say because we're born into a simple world. No, she was born so that she would show God's glory. Oh, yeah, she already touches so many people's lives. And even with my own daughter, like, we were told when we got the adoption papers that she'd have severe cognitive disorders, she would have mental health disorders, she would have all these things. And, okay, we deal with behaviors, but what parent doesn't deal with behaviors? And maybe our daughter's behaviors are a little bit more extreme than others. But she is so smart and healthy and thriving, and that girl is going to just show the world what she's they made They said of. she was going to have physical d disabilities and the other day she wanted to get up on the the higher part of the playground so she grabbed the swing by the chain with one arm did a one arm pull up used her other arm to grab the other part of the playground and I was like this kid could be an Olympian she's and you know and it's like God even if she never did develop even if she stayed in a state where she was in a wheelchair or something else that person has value and she's going to do amazing things with but the life. thing is like we can be told a million times by doctors what's going to happen to us and we're not trying to diss doctors because i really doctors. i love my per my personal doctor she's wonderful but i mean you cannot say a doctor is not god a doctor can predict and use the best of their medical ability but at the end of the day a doctor is not god i had a horrible brain stuff going on just last summer and they were thinking it might even be MS and that I'd have a lifelong illness. I was prayed over. I was healed. That's another podcast you can go back and listen to. But that's the thing is we cannot pretend like doctors are gods though because God is the one who's going to decide how a child's life should go. And it's hard for us to understand when you say how could a good God allow a child to be born and only live for a couple of minutes? And how could a good God allow a child to be born blind or this or that? And it's like, well, it's not a good God that's allowing these things. It's that God gave humanity a way he wanted to do it. He said, humanity, I want it this way. I created it. I want it this way. And humanity said, no, we're going to do it our way. And God said, okay, well, you know the consequence. And, and it's so beautiful because the, way, the, the wages of sin is death. And God could have ended the story there and been like, I gave you a perfect garden with a perfect life and you chose to not live in that garden. Mm -hmm. And he could have just said, I'm done with humanity. But instead he gave us his son so that we could still, even after everything we did to curse God, he still wanted a way to have relationship with us. And he could be a father that just forces us to love him. But we have free will. We choose sin. We choose these evil things, and that's why adoption exists. That's why abortion exists. It's crazy that these things are so closely connected because in a perfect world, we wouldn't need adoption. But God is so, I don't know, maybe I'm just in awe of it because I'm an adoptive mom, but God is so awesome that he took something as dark and sad as adoption and made something beautiful out of it. And made my family and I'm kissing my daughter goodnight and I'm telling her I love her and she's saying I love you and because he takes broken things and makes beauty even after all the things that I've seen in foster care and some of the kids coming from the most horrific abuse I've also seen reunification of families being successful together I've seen things that didn't work out but then I've seen them like I have a teenager that used to live with us who's thriving and has a relationship with her mother again and you know I just I've seen good things come out of 
you know, and we know that the system is broken. Believe me, I'm not here to say foster care is this perfect working system. I know that it's not. But just because I think there needs to be a lot of change in the system doesn't mean that I'm not going to support the kids who come through it. Mm-hmm. Well, and so, I mean, we've talked about kind of some of the myths of adoption and I want to talk and even abortion and what some medical procedures are, but I want to talk about domestic adoption because while we were at this Stanton Healthcare event, we saw some really some signs that made me think, and I've been a part of the pro-life movement for a long time, um, and I was like, oh yeah, it's still, I still like to talk to pro-choicers because I want to know where they come from, and I want to know why they believe what they believe, and I want to ask questions, and I want to be loving, and, um, you know, I just think there's so many misunderstandings. People are like, oh, well, I hate to say it, in this country, if there isn't a newborn baby, that baby is going to get a family. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. not going to take long. Mm-hmm. If that baby, that baby is not going to go into foster care for more than a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. Unless the baby If they has, even go into foster care at all. Yeah, most of the time, let's say you're 15, you get even, I mean, I don't want to go into scenarios because then we can be like, oh, well, but even like if you, if you decide the day you have the baby that you want to give the baby up for adoption. And we say give the baby up for adoption because that's kind of what most people, kind of the, I guess, nicer terminology would be place a child up for adoption. But there'll be thousands of families waiting for that call that day that will get on a plane that day to come. Yeah, there's like a baby. database and every agency has their own database. And even our teeny tiny agency in Idaho that has only 15 families waiting, they say for every 15 families, there's like one baby. Mm-hmm. in our tiny little agency so there's thousands of agencies throughout the whole country mm-hmm. and then there's people that, that that's not to mention family members that want to adopt mm-hmm. the the siblings or like grandparents that choose to raise the kids so what happens most of the time let's say a mother gets her baby taken away let's say she was on drugs or whatever she gets or she's in jail she gets her baby taken away the day the baby's born if they go into foster care it's for a few nights till they find a family member mm-hmm. most of the time baby placements and you know this because you did foster to it how long did you ever foster babies baby like the longest well i mean we adopted our daughter but that is that was a different situation and you can listen to her adoption story in another podcast but But if it's a healthy baby there's usually a family member that is able to take them and if not the foster family will have them it's 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 rare that a foster family gets to adopt a baby because most of the time family members are willing to step up and take an infant. They're not so much willing to step up and take a three or four or five, and then after six, it's pretty much super hard even to find foster families for those kids. And those kids that are older deserve home just as much. But the myth that all these babies are going to end up in the foster care system, it is a myth because if they do, say a woman decides not to get an abortion and all these kids end up in the foster care system, it's because the women were... It's not because of poverty, because you know you can live in your car, and if you're still making sure your kid is fed and clothed, you won't get your child taken care of. They are sorry, taken away, and the state will provide WIC and food stamps, and you can live in a women's shelter or a men's shelter and keep your kids. And they will give you cash 
for there's all kinds of and and this is nationwide. So the state this is will, not just like this is in Idaho too. That is a red state. This is a lot of people say, well, that's mostly the the red backward states don't have all those services. No, this is nationwide. There are federal, federal programs, yeah. governments to help families. You just have to be willing to do the work. Because so, the state, it's a lot cheaper for the state for the parents to raise their own children mm-hmm. than, but okay, if you want to really just put it down to money, this is something I think that's gross about abortion. Um, it's cheaper for the states to have the parents raise them. It's even cheaper for the state for the parent to never have them at all. Mm-hmm. So who benefits from abortion? You know, I mean... The women and the family and the children don't at all. And even they try to make abortion sound like this such easy thing. There's no... But honestly, the women that I've talked to that I know who've had an abortion, when I was like 12 years old... We had a cousin living with us, and her best friend was 16 and got pregnant. And I remember calling her. She called her, and she's like, I'm going to get an abortion. I'm so scared. I don't want my family to find out. And I was praying and praying and praying. I was like, Lord, please don't let this girl get an abortion. Please don't. Because, you know, that's always been a burden on my heart. Well, then her friend calls her back the next day, and I could overhear her on the phone. And she was just sobbing and saying how painful it was. Physically painful. Physically painful. And they did not tell her any of this. And she went to Planned Parenthood. They made it sound so easy. You'll be in and out in the same day. Make sure somebody drives you and picks you up. And she was just sobbing. She was like, it was so painful. I didn't expect it to be like this. And she's like, and now, like, emotionally, she Yeah, in other countries that are okay with this procedure, I even hate calling it a procedure, surgery, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. Um, uh, other countries require counseling, and they tell you the risks. And because it... It's like any medical procedure, it has risks. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, even risks for future fertility. And and, if you um, and that's on, apart from the emotional pain oh, and the yeah. emotional risks. And if you go on Planned Parenthood and look at their website, because I was doing some research the other day, and it's just, I just was getting sick reading this stuff, because they make it sound like such a happy thing. Like, oh, it's going to be so good for you, it's quick. And using abortion, that's another thing that we were talking about, is abortion should never be birth control. Because it's not a safe birth control. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, there's way safer birth controls. Even if you can't do hormonal birth control, it's, you know, there's there's dozens, I don't know, of options for birth control. And they're coming up with new ones all the time. And so uh, I know mistakes happen and things happen. And that's why, you know... Um, that's why there's so many services to help after um, a pre- an, a, an unwanted or unplanned pregnancy. There are federal government agencies there to help, but there are also um, places that we support, like Stanton Healthcare, that can give you all your options and give you a future and give you a hope. And um, so many stories of women who were hurt and and given a couple hundred dollars to to move on with their lives and it's like no this is the saddest thing and so um we never want to like make someone who's had an abortion feel bad mm-hmm. i mean we i don't even think it should be criminal for the for the woman because mm-hmm. a lot of times the women are the the ones being lied to in cohorts they're the victims it. of this situation as much as their children because are. who benefits who gets the money from it? it if you it's with all things even anything political which we don't want to get too political it's follow the money and who benefits the most financially 
and with stint and healthcare and places like that in Spokane, because I know we have some Spokane listeners, they have um, lifeservices.org and they have maternity homes and they have programs. And even after your baby's born, you can live in the maternity homes and they teach you independent living skills. So some of these women are coming in. But the thing is, I think when I think of people pro-choice and they're poster child for the person who is going to get an abortion is this scared teenage girl that happened under incest or happened or is dying or is going to die if they get the their poster child that they put up for the reason why abortion should be legalized is really the small majority of people actually minority or really the small might sorry the small minority of people getting abortions most people get them for convenience and they say that so women can have freedom in their careers and it's like it's so sad that we've given up our greatest ability as women yeah we can do amazing things as women we can go get careers we more women go to college than men now and get degrees um we can do it all we can have we can get scholarships for being a single mom yeah so you why get, would we... if you're a single mom you can get free daycare college paid for like you get a lot more benefits being a single mom than you do being a married mom mm-hmm. just to let you know like that's kind of how our society is gone and it's like but we're giving up our greatest ability as women the ability to carry and birth children. We're giving that up for what? A job? Mm-hmm. You know, because I was even that way. Before I had kids, I was like, oh, I'm always going to work. I can't imagine finding worth in something that's not my job. And God totally changed my heart because I can't imagine what I'd be missing. And I'm not judging women who work at all. That's a choice that everyone has to make. But I but you're saying that would be your reason for getting an abortion is so you could further your career. Yeah, so it's like I can't imagine. I mean, I never would because I've been pro-life my whole life. But, I mean, I can see a woman who's career-minded like me. I'm like, why would I work all those years and go into so much debt to get a college degree just to turn around and not use it? Mm-hmm. And But then when I turned around and saw my daughter, I was like, oh, that's why. Mm-hmm. I was like, even if I was the highest paid CEO of the most important company, saving millions of lives a day, the most important thing I can do with my life is raise the next generation. Because, yeah, what if I gave, if I had millions of dollars and I was this rich person that, and what if, even if I was working not just for some heartless corporation, what if I was working to, like, improve the lives of children or something mm-hmm. like that? I would still turn around and think the greatest thing I've ever done with my life is raise the next generation because... There'll be nothing for her. Like, if the next generation doesn't come up, what's the point of trying to make things better in this generation? Well, and I think that's kind of like the problem with social media nowadays is all the good... There's lots of good things for social media. We both use social media. I use it way too much. It's something that I'm trying to cut down on and I'm really bad at. But I think one of the dark sides of social media is it kind of gave women a platform to complain about their children and vent And that needs to be done in, like, a safe place. Like, I have a spiritual mentor that I go see. And if my daughter's having problems and I can say, hey, I'm really struggling with this. And she doesn't say, like, oh, yeah, I know. Like, being a parent is so hard. No, she encourages me in saying, like, God's gifted you this child. Like, God's given you this. You can do this. Oh, let me give you some practical ways to help you. And that's how women need to be. My firstborn did the same thing. And that's how women need to be. But on social media, I think what it started out was kind of just a joke. Like, oh, can you relate when your kid's doing this? And it's kind of turned into, like, 
I'm a, I'm isolated. The victim Olympics. Yeah, I'm isolated, <laughs> depressed. I'm not sleeping. I'm mother. Nobody told me motherhood would be so hard. Nobody and other young women who are coming into like the age of when they usually get married and have kids are like, I don't want that. I oh. love my life that I can just get on a boat on a Saturday and have a lake day and not have to worry about hauling a million things. I don't want to have to trade this in. And so it becomes like we've become such a self-centered society that children are looked at as such a burden instead of the blessing that they are. And then we push it back and push it back and push it back to having children. And then women are much older and they're like, oh yeah, maybe I do want to have children. And a lot of times it takes you know, intervention to help them get pregnant if they can even get pregnant. Well, also because, like, after being on birth control for years and years and years, it messes with your hormones so much. It's hard sometimes to get pregnant after being... And that's not things that you're told when you're a young When you're 14 and they get you on your first birth control pill. Yeah. They don't tell you any of that. And when you're 14, you don't necessarily want to go and have a baby yet. And I think it's fine for women to wait a little bit to have children. We waited. I was... Um, we, I, you've probably heard this a million times if you listen, but Zachary and I chose to not have biological children, which I think, um, a lot of people do nowadays and, but then they choose to not have any children, but we chose it for the purpose of growing our family through adoption. And then also if for any reason we accidentally became pregnant, of course we would carry that baby and that would, we would raise that child. Like oh, yeah. that's, and... we're pro-life. So, but our goal in choosing adoption was um, that we would grow our family that way. But, um, what was I getting at with this? What was I talking about? Women and birth control. Oh yeah. And, um, but a lot of women have just stopped and don't want to have kids at all because they see them as a burden. But I waited till I was older and I'm really glad it was kind of circumstances in because adoption takes a long time. I think I was what, 20, 28 or 29 when we became parents. Mm -hmm. And, um, I'm, glad I waited so long because I was very mature and stuff and I didn't feel like I'd missed out on any of my youth or anything like that um but there's also not anything wrong if you get pregnant at a young age and even if it's an accident and it's out of marriage or anything like that you we know we advocate adoption is always a choice but you can also choose to raise that child yeah and that's what I love about state and healthcare too is they they empower people to parent as well mm-hmm. and a lot of charities are moving away even like catholic charities i think they had a bad rep back in the day of being like oh teen mom take the baby away mm-hmm. and send your daughter to a convent if she gets pregnant she has the baby they take the baby away before she can even see it and then send the yeah. mom on and it's sad because there's a whole generation of women who and that happened had their babies taken away and a lot of them said that they would have wished that they would have raised them. even at 16 they would have tried to parent their child nowadays i think and even a specific catholic ministry we work with i can't mention their name because they're connected to our adoption and there's privacy stuff but a, a specific catholic charity we're working with they provide a place for pregnant mothers to live and to live after they have the baby and then they give them parenting classes and they give them adoption information and they give them everything they need to make a decision and if the mother chooses to parent they give her all the help she needs to transition and to find a place to live on her own and work and they let her stay with the baby in their home for a while and there's no pressure there's There's no no pressure. pressure to be but then if she chooses not to parent they also provide her with all the things she needs to and be counseling. successful. And counseling after the baby comes. Because they and... know it's not an easy decision. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and this is just one thing. If adoption is something that's been on your heart and you're looking for an agency, if you find an agency that doesn't allow you to have contact with the birth mom before you meet your child... Red flag. That is a red flag. You want to be able to have as much of a relationship as the birth mom is wanting to have with you. Because you want to know that there's an agency that's supporting the birth mom and the fact that oh she wants now international adoption is different it just you it doesn't can't work always out that have way. that but, but there are is, available yeah. stuff overseas but for too. domestic adoptions especially you want to make sure an agency is involving the mother in everything the agency you guys go through there's a social worker for the mom and a social worker for the family um i knew the birth mom a fam a family that i worked for and what happened was they went to adopt a baby and they found out that two agencies were fighting for the same baby. And if that would happen, as much as an adoptive parent, when you're in the waiting, you were like, no, oh, I want that baby. That's a time where you'd say, mm, I need to drop this agency. This is not right. And this is not That's why ethical. it's a myth that all these babies would go without um, parents. Yeah, and It's no, also there's... a myth that all... Unplanned pregnancies are teenagers. That is not true. There's people that have four and five kids that that give their children, uh, place a child up for adoption. Mm-hmm. There's older women that have never had kids, and all of a sudden they have an unplanned pregnancy, and they weren't. There are people trying to leave or abusive situations. If you go on the National um, Association of Down Syndrome Network, mm-hmm. there's a whole lot of babies that are born with Down Syndrome, and unfortunately, families are like we can't raise them we don't want to be in charge because but just aborting those children would be eugenics i mean Mm -hmm. that's what hitler was doing he said oh you have a disability you're a jew you know and it's like so why are we okay with killing them in the womb would we be okay with rounding up all unadopted down syndrome children and killing them now that they're born yeah and there's a lot of families who are, are ready to adopt and they have to go through even harder training than you would just a regular domestic adoption oh yeah they it's, have it's to go through like medical adopt, training adopt, and they have yeah. and you know what all those babies still get adopted out the babies yeah, with every, down syndrome you'd be surprised they still get adopted out when it's funny because like if you get pregnant and you're worried about um raising the baby let's say maybe the dad's not involved or maybe the dad's abusive or whatever um maybe the dad wants to be involved and you just don't like him like here's the thing is there are ways to help you even if you don't choose to put your child up for adoption but um the lie that's told all the time is that it would just be so much easier it'd be so yeah in some ways it would be you don't have to deal with the responsibility but you can give that responsibility to someone else. Mm-hmm. If you place your child up for adoption, and if you're pregnant and you choose a family, all your medical bills are paid for, all your hospital stays. And honestly, it is safer to carry a baby full term and give birth than it is to get an abortion. Especially the later in the pregnancy you are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I love the beautiful stories where a birth mom chose a family, even like a birth mom and a birth dad together, chose a family to adopt their baby and the the birth family is or the sorry the adoptive family is in the room while the baby's being born holding her hand mm-hmm. and they i even heard a story of one living with them the last couple months of her pregnancy mm-hmm. and just them doing this together and being like i'm the mother but you're her mom now mm-hmm. and this beautiful like exchange and there's there's some shame there's some sadness it's sad it's sad yeah. when a baby isn't being raised by their biological parents but it's also a really beautiful thing 
because they trust you to raise your child. And my daughter's um, biological mother asked me, like, do you think Jesus will still love me if I place my daughter up for adoption? And like, of course. Yeah, and I said, of course. Like, don't let it be like, now I don't have this responsibility so I can go out and still live my life like I was doing. Let this be like something that is a catalyst to change your life for the better. Because we want you to be able to have a relationship with your daughter. But you have to be safe in order to do so. When I love, I love so many stories of people who chose life for their children and chose to parent. And God blessed that and gave them ways. Because I think people think, oh, we're pro-adoption, so we think all unwed mothers should give their babies up for adoption. No, I don't think that. All. If you're in a place that you have any kind of support, if you have a church coming beside you, if you have... You know, even families coming beside you. Are, choose to parent. We are pro reunification. Honestly, mm-hmm. we're pro life, but pro adoption. Good but for the if child. it's good for the child, it, we are pro reunification. But we do understand there are some women who've come up against um, unthinkable and, things. Yeah, and you know what? I don't even think poverty is a reason. Like, unless you're like, really, I cannot take care of this child because I have all these other children I need to take care of. That's the thing is, we are not here. We don't get to judge people's situations. Mm-hmm. And even if you were like, I wanted to get an abortion because I don't want to raise a kid. Well, you still have the option of adoption. Mm-hmm. Like, that is still an option. And you don't have to have that responsibility. And you choosing to give nine months of your life to this child is such an amazing gift. We can never speak poorly of a birth mother who chose to do that. Nine months is, oh, yeah. And in the short term of a child's life, it's, and I don't know, we're kind of getting to the end here, and I just want to just speak love. Yeah. And there's so many arguments for and against pro-abortion, anti-abortion. You know, you know how we stand. We're, we don't think for any reason that there should be an abortion. Even rape and incest, we believe that child has a chance and deserves a chance at life, and it's unfair that that horrible thing happened to that woman. But it's, it's not okay to add insult to injury by also taking the life of that child. Mm-hmm. We know a woman who was raped and she had her baby and he was born with special needs and he's an adult now and she has to take care of him like he's a little kid. And people would ask her, you know, why didn't you? And she said, I loved him. She's like, just because an evil thing happened to me doesn't mean I didn't love my son. And she got to have a purpose and taking care of her son. And here's the thing. If she had given him up for adoption, even with special needs, babies get adopted. It's just, it's very rare that a baby does not get adopted. There's 10 families waiting, 15, 20 families waiting for each baby being born. And there's, you know, and if you call the hospital, I was asking our agency, they're like, oh, we get women call our agency the day the baby's born all the time. Mm-hmm. She's like, they choose adoption on the day the baby's born. And she's like, and we got to call our families, but they're ready. They have car seats ready. They get on a plane. They go to the baby and they adopt But them. And also, and then it's not like we're just trying to remove these kids from these mothers. And then they never them. get to see them again. It, you know, they still, in every state, they have a law that they, you have to wait so many days before your adoption is finalized. So, for example, if I were to go to California and I'm in Idaho and I flew to California, I wouldn't just be able to bring my baby back to Idaho. I would have to wait there for two weeks and then I could finalize the adoption and bring him or her home. But honestly, and it, people are like, well, what if she chooses to parent at the last minute? Then, Thank God. Uh, and, and, it's ha- it's and ask heart- her how you can help her to parent her yeah, baby. And it's heartbreaking for the families in waiting, believe me. But We've had a failed adoption. It is the hardest thing. 
But if that parent chooses to parent, that's a beautiful, beautiful mm-hmm. thing. And I think adoptive parents, this is for you too. It's not just, you need to get out of the mindset that you are the best thing that could ever happen to this child. Mm-hmm. God wants those children to be with their biological families. That was his design. Mm-hmm. And so if it, if it, if it, someone chooses to parent, that's a, a thing to be celebrated. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. I think in the country, these are a couple years old, these statistics, but the disruption rate, so like where a woman places her child up for adoption at the last minute changes her mind, that is only 34%. So out of 100 adoptions, only 34 moms choose to keep the baby. And um, and then for the agency worked we worked with because they were so supportive of birth moms, and helped birth moms. That rate was less than five percent. And they usually could tell if a birth mom came to their agency and she was on the fence. They can tell like, and they can help her. And they're, they're, I don't think she's ready to give her baby up. Let's help her and give her options. But then they don't bring an adoptive family into that until they know that she really wants yeah. to. And she gets to look at thousands of profiles and she gets to choose the family that she wants for her baby. And then this is another thing people don't know about adoption. 80% of adoptions in the United States are open, mm-hmm. which means that the birth family has some kind of contact with the adoptive family. And people don't realize it's not like, oh, I chose to place my baby. I never get to see them again. Some birth moms want that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why people like abortion. Because they get to be done with it and they never have to think about it again. But if you ask any woman who's had an abortion, they think about it again. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, especially women that regret their abortions. I know there are a lot of women that say, oh, you know, praise your abortion. or what is Shout it? out shout your abortion. abortion. Yeah. But there are women that do it and they regret it. And that's why even Stanton Healthcare has um, abortion pill reversal. So there's been, they've, they said this year they've saved two women who had the abortion pill and then went to their clinic and they reversed the abortion pill and the babies were born. That's amazing. And because, you know, it's kind of like, you know, it happens so fast. You're so scared. Your hormones are crazy. You've never been pregnant before maybe. and Or maybe you've, you have all these kids well, already. And, and they make this... They so pitch it, it so beautiful. beautiful. It's like, so easy. Just Come take in. this pill, and it's quick and easy, but even that pill, like, it burns your baby up inside of you. And that's why sometimes they have to go back in and remove some of the fe- the baby that's left the in there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so it's like, and you know what? Um, the, what was it, Harvard University just came out with a new study that showed, oh, no, it's the National Institute of Health just came out with a study that showed that even in the earliest, earliest, earliest abortions, baby can, babies can feel it because you even they have they do ultrasound abortions now they can do that and even when they put the pill in there or they put the things into their degree I don't want to go into graphic detail because Ava makes me sick the babies wrench and pain and move away from the objects and you can tell just by the stress in their bodies that there's pain. Yeah, and it's like we value an eagle egg. We know that that's the potential to become a little eagle, and we eagle it or whatever because it's an endangered species. But the species that God made to rule over the planet, in his own image he made male and female, we don't value that life Mm -hmm. in the womb. It's like a federal, um, what do you call that? A federal offense if you destroy an eagle egg mm-hmm. and obviously we're not an endangered species but um but we have life and we have value if you value life even if you value animal life mm-hmm. even if you're like totally not a christian you're totally 
if you look at the if you look at animal life and you look at human life, can't you see that we have value? Like that's just crazy to me. And there's so many misconceptions that oh IVF is going to be made illegal, having a miscarriage is going to be made illegal. No, it's illegal to kill a living human being inside the womb, mm-hmm. whether they have Down syndrome, which is a reason people think it should be legal to kill a baby in the womb. Or any other special needs. Or or potential for special needs. They think that's a proper way to have an abortion. You know, it's to us, we value life and we believe in adoption. If you really cannot parent your child, we also believe in reunification. And we believe in supporting women and families. Mm -hmm. You know, it hurts my feelings when people say pro-lifers don't care about women. Because pro-lifers are the one who have been, like, and I've heard, even heard a lot of Christians like, okay, it's time for us to start doing the work. It's like, we have been doing the work. We are the ones who've been doing the work. We are, most organizations that help women and children and all that. And adoption agencies. Are if Christian. They aren't, are faith-based in some way. Or they started Christian if they're secular now. If you look at all the major adoption companies, a lot of them, most of them used to be Christian. One of the biggest ones in the world um, was like a Nazarene organization. And so it's like, no, Christians... And I've never been to a church where the priority for women and children wasn't there. Oh, yeah. I came to my church. We go to Harvest Church, and it is an amazing church. But I came there as a single mom. And I never once felt judged or an outsider or that my daughter and I didn't have a place. We constantly had people checking in on us, making sure we were okay. Because Natalie, for a short time, had to go to India, and I was all alone. And I had tons of families invite me over for dinner. And I'm like, I'm not the one going through stuff. My sister's the one out of town. But they knew that I didn't have my biggest support, and they wanted to make sure that I was taken care of. And being part of a church like that, I just saw um, there's a family I like like to really follow, and it's called Real Life Foster Family, and they're Christian. And they go to a big church, and they have five kids, and they have a very medical, fragile baby right now. And he's having to have a full tracheotomy. And that's hard. And so that means the foster mom, and I just get emotional seeing about it. I just, you should go follow her on social media. It's foster, um, her name is Real Life Foster Family. And also she's, all, the, all and these links I'm going to have to show Her and her husband are very real about how foster care is. Um, but this little medically fragile baby, they're actually, I think they're in the process of adopting. And that was the thing, like, how is birth mom supposed to be able to take care of this heavy medically fragile it's it's a very medically fragile child like he has to have a 24 7 nurse aid all the time and so because this mom and dad the baby's about to have this very major surgery the mom and dad are going to be the foster parents are going to be in the hospital with that so the church not only they passed out it was so cool they passed out a paper that said for you to sign up to bring a meal are you to sign up to give a gas gift card to sign up to help because you're for, back and forth from the hospital. Yeah, to sign time. up to help pay for hospital parking, and it was like this big long list. And even the last one was um, gift cards for fun things like to the movies or trampoline parks for the other kids in the home who are gonna be missing mom and dad. And a lot of times the other kids in the home are like, "Well, we're so focused on this baby that we're kind of neglected a little bit." So even just fun stuff for the family to do together. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, what a beautiful thing for a church to come together. And so I, I really do see churches stepping up. I really do see churches getting involved. But I think this speaks to the individual 
Christian. Like, what can you do? Because we can always do better, right? God calls us to continually do better and grow. So if you're listening and you're feeling like kind of like, oh, what can I do? Like, really ask the Lord. The first thing that you need to do is to pray and ask the Lord to give you vision because there's a lot of big commitment stuff that you can do to help out the adoption and foster care community and the um, pro-life community, but there's also, like, little commitments that you can make. And we'll do a, another episode that's just strictly how can I help the... And we've been doing some short videos and stuff on our Insta and stuff, but how can I help... If I can't adopt... Right now, if I can't foster right now, how can I help families that do? And there's mm-hmm. ways that you can help without money and ways that you can help with money. And we'll be doing a whole episode on that. So stay tuned. I want to end with this story. Um, it's a beautiful story of a little boy who's on a beach. And there's been a horrible storm that's washed all the sea stars. What are they called? Starfish. Why can't I think of the word? All the starfish. And there's hundreds of starfish on the beach. And there's no way they're, they're not, they're not going to be able to get back in the water which means they'll all dry up and die. they'll all dry up and die and there's hundreds of them and there's this little boy on the beach by himself and he's throwing them back into the water one at a time and a guy comes up to him and he says son why are you doing this like all of the like hundreds of them are going to die there's no way you can make a difference and the boy picks up a starfish and he throws it and he said i made a difference to that one and you know mother Teresa did the same thing she said there's so much evil and there's so much hard things and there's so much good that needs to be done. She's like, but help the person in front of you. Mm. So who's that person in front of you? Is it um, a family in your church that just had a baby who's medically fragile and doctors told them that they should abort and they chose life? How can you support that family? Is it a birth mom who decided to choose life for her baby and keep her and now she's a single mom and she's struggling is it a woman who got an abortion mm-hmm. and is struggling with her faith and is feeling so bad is it a woman who you know is it a family who has six kids and they didn't want to be pregnant again but they chose life for that kid and now they're super overwhelmed with those six kids you know um there's just so many situations where it would be easier to just say, oh, let's just get the abortion. That's the easy, that's the easy answer. But we're saying we want to choose life and we want to help people. And we're here to pray for you. We're here to help you get money. We're here to do all the things you need. And above all, we love you. And there's no judgment here. Reach out. We'll have all the links to all the stuff we talked about in the show notes. Um, we love you. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for listening.